friends, and welcome to episode 13 of the Badland Girls. I'm Destiny. And I'm Rhea. How's it going, Rhea? It is going. I um I don't think I mentioned this to you. I chipped a filling. Aw. Eating a pancake. How? I don't know. <laughs> you poor thing. I'm a little irritated. It doesn't hurt. And uh, I'm going to wait until at least my parents have the vaccine before I go on to the dentist where I have to be maskless for much of the procedure. Yeah, that's smart. I'm sorry you have to wait, though. That's nah, all right. It's uh, If it hurt, I'd go. No questions asked, but it doesn't hurt, so. Uh, I have just been a big giant stress ball lately because of work and some health issues. And I am now just coming down off that anxiety mountain. So that's nice. And in between there, I have been playing a lot of Super Mario 3D World and I beat Bowser's Fury and Super Mario 3D World. I mean, I played that before on the Wii U, but I never beat the Champions Road level, which is like one of the final levels you can do. And I, I beat that one. Only with the help of the Mario Amiibo with the Immortality Cat. There was no way I could have beat it without it. (laughs) That game is hard. It's so hard. What the hell? Bowser's Fury was like a comfortable level of hard. (laughs) Like about Odyssey level hard. And I'm okay with that. Okay. But uh, Bowser's Fury was fun. It was like a mix of Super Mario 3D World and Odyssey, like I just said. So I kind of, I like that about it. And uh, you do turn, I don't know if you saw the trailer, but you do turn into like a kaiju cat and fight a kaiju Bowser. And that's a lot of fun. That's amazing. Uh, Yeah, that game is cool. And I'm really getting uh, hyped up for this this Mario drop in Animal Crossing um, that looks so cool. Did you see it? I did. And I wasn't excited until they showed the warp pipes. <laughs> I am so easy to please. I was excited when I saw that they had like a pretty much uh lots of a lot of the stuff was pretty interactive. They have a thwomp that just comes down. Yeah, that's you can put in your I was and the warp pipe blew my mind. I was so surprised. Yeah, I don't know if that'll bring me back to Animal Crossing, but I'm glad it exists. Oh uh, yeah. I've been brought back to Animal Crossing via a friend's daughter who is eight years old and (laughs) has gotten Animal Crossing for the first time and is in love with it and constantly wants to play with both me and Tracy. And just seeing Animal Crossing through her young eyes is a lot of fun. (laughs) That is great. I played with my nephew a little bit, but he just likes to run and hit you with a net. (laughs) Unsurprisingly, uh... This uh, my friend's daughter also likes to run and hit you with the net. <laughs> I like it. I can only take so much of it. Yeah, especially since like the net has a shelf life, so I'm like, you're wasting your hits on me. <laughs> right. I don't want to have to build another one of these. You're gonna have to have oh. a reserve of nets. Oh man. But yeah, that's all I've been doing. Just some video gaming. Still reading The Exorcist. Uh, Is it still good. It is still good. Awesome. It's a good uh, companion piece to the film, interestingly enough. I'm going to have to read it. I've never read it. It's very interesting. I like it a lot. Uh, but yeah, so let's uh, 
hit it up. Let's go to our regulars. Yeah. Uh, what was the last movie you watched? The last movie I watched was uh, Detective Pikachu. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Which isn't a very good movie, but the Pokemon look really good. So it's like the whole movie you're like, oh, look at the Snorlax. Oh, look at the Jigglypuff. Oh, look at the Charmander. And uh, that's what makes the movie good. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, it's I it's thought it was cute. cute. It's very cute. It's like it got uh, you could tell the people that made it care a lot about what they're doing and I enjoyed it very much. I just thought the script left a little to be desired, but it mm. was it was really cute. It was cute. They did such a good job with the expressions and bringing the Pokémon to life. I was really impressed. Yeah, like it, if you care about Pokemon, I think it's worth your time just to see how magical it is to see them in like a real world setting. I don't mm-hmm. know what that there's something about that that makes me feel like a little kid and it was very exciting. Oh, and I, I didn't love it. I didn't play the Pokemon games growing up. I was a snob. I thought that was little kid shit. Uh, so I didn't play a Pokemon game until I was an adult. Uh, but yeah, I still find them very like charming and fun. They are. Pokemon has turned 25, everybody. And uh, I watched the Pokemon Direct about it. And they had more uh, behind-the-scenes footage from Pokemon Snap, which is going to be 2021's Game of the Year, I think. I played so much of that on Nintendo 64. I am so excited. (laughs) I'm ready. Yeah, I'm excited, too. It'll be a really good game. Uh, what uh, What was the last film you watched? Uh, so I read the book that inspired Die Hard called Nothing Lasts Forever. <laughs> and then that inspired me to watch the Die Hard trilogy, which I've seen the first one and the third one many times, but I'd never actually seen the second one. And let me tell you, watching these movies after not watching them for like maybe five plus years, what an adventure. Those movies are still so much fun. Ah, uh, I love them so much. <laughs> I don't remember them, and I don't know which of what I've seen. Maybe just the first one? Uh, well, the first one takes place in that one building, Nakatomi Plaza. It doesn't leave that setting for the entire movie. Uh, the second one takes place in an airport. And the third one takes place on Manhattan Island, pretty much. And has Samuel L. Jackson in it, who is a delight, as always. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> It was a fun trilogy. Like, I can, as I was watching it, especially the first one, you could really see, like, how the movie really set the standard for action movies that followed. And then also, just looking back on it, it's a rather unique action film. You know, I mean, if you look at, like, let's use James Bond as an example. If you look at a Bond film, like, Bond films, like, hit kind of set the tone for like what an action movie is like there's a car chase there's you know fight scenes and stuff and so it's actually rather unique that the first Die Hard movie doesn't really have any of that it's basically this guy with one gun no shoes on running around an office building (laughs) and it's very unique in its setting and uh just some of the kind of self-aware humor of it all too There was one scene I'd never noticed before um, where the SWAT team is rushing the building and then one of them pricks his finger on a thorn in a rose bush and goes, ouch! 
<laughs> and it's just such a stupid little thing. I, I really love, I think that's what makes Die Hard so timeless is because it, it never really takes itself too seriously, which is kind of what the second movie accidentally fell into. Oh. And then they pulled themselves out of it in the third movie. But I think out of the three, the first one is still my favorite because the third movie, while super fun, uh, it is more like a traditional action movie. There's car chases. There's all the standard beats of an action movie. And I just like that kind of unique flavor of the first one. Plus, Alan Rickman could get it. He can get it. <laughs> uh, may he rest in peace. What a That was his first movie. Oh, yeah. What a great actor. <laughs> I know. What a fun role to play. And he really adds a lot to it. He's really fun in Die Hard. And... Uh, um, Everyone in that movie is just really fun, and uh, I I enjoyed watching all three. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. Now it's time for... Oh, Badland Girl, girl that's, that's my jam. jam. Destiny, what's your jam? My jam is... <clears throat> it's a classic. This is a band that uh, Jason Frisbee introduced me to. Ooh. Uh, Sparks, uh, This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Both of Us, which uh, Edgar Wright's next movie is a documentary about Sparks. And Really? I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. And so I was watching the trailer, and that song features prominently in it, and I was like, man, that album slaps uh, Kimono My House, which is just a really great, like, synthy pop album i don't know it just makes me happy oh man when did this come out this album like what era oh, this was this uh, band this is the 70s i believe let me oh. get an actual google okay because I, I just wanted to know i don't think i've ever heard this song and i'm only vaguely aware of this band <laughs> oops and i also didn't know that edgar wright was doing a documentary about it so this is really exciting to me kimono my house came out in 1974. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, and that's what album that song is on. But yeah, it, it sounds like the 70s, but like it still has like this timeless feel to it as well. It's weird. I can't explain it, but I, I love them. Awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> I did embarrassingly find out <clears throat> just through this trailer. I thought that band was German for like ever. No, are they American. Oh, they're American. I was about to ask if they were English. Nope. nope. <laughs> Which is also a common misconception. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Why did you think they were German? If they I just, can ask. They were so weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I just they were ger- I just assumed. It's like a quirky. They gotta be European. Yep. Them quirky know. Europeans. I get it. Nope, America's own. What's your jam? My jam is a K-pop track. Ha <laughs> ha! Surprise! And <laughs> um, by CL. Uh, and it's called Wish You Were Here. CL is um, has been in the business for a long time. She was one of the uh, rappers in the very influential girl Korean girl group called uh, To Anyone in the early 2000s, like mid, maybe early 2010s, let's say. I remember them. Yeah. And after they split up, um, she launched a solo career and released some really 
bopping singles in about around 2016 or so, or maybe 2014, and then completely disappeared and then resurfaced in 2016 with a very short EP and then disappeared again and is now having a, n- a new album come out this year. And I read a really good uh, interview with her where she basically was having problems with her record record company and decided to go independent. But this song is something that she just wrote recently. Uh, Her mother passed away six months ago, and it's a dedication to her mom. And so the whole music video is just old VHS tapes of her and her mom and her sister growing up in Korea together. It was it's a really beautiful song. Is it like, it's a rap song, right? Yeah. It's kind of like a, it's like a little, like, it's not as like. Rap ballad? Yeah. Rap ballad. That's a great term for it. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yes. It's like a rap ballad, but I really liked it. It was, it was really beautiful. And uh, CL is actually, um, like, I actually found out just recently uh, during the height of the Black Lives Matter protests last year, um, she wrote this really really amazing statement about supporting the movement and how much the K-pop industry owes to black artists in America and stuff. And I, I stand her for life now. <laughs> I'm really glad she said something. Cause that's something that's always uh, stood out to me about mm-hmm. K-pop, like how <laughs> black it is. <laughs> yeah. I honestly think like uh, there was only like uh, at the time, I don't know much about, what was I'm not that deep into the K-pop like dailies of like what they're saying, but her statement really stuck out to me because she she just like pointed out like how much they owed to black artists and how she pointed out all the black rappers that she was influenced by and what an enormous debt they owe to black artists um, and her herself owes to black artists. And then BTS, I know they donated a million dollars to Black Lives Matter. I did not at know the that. time. Wow. And then. The army, their fan base matched the donations within a day or something. Cool. And they had some statement where they said, "You know, we've experienced racism, and we we owe it to our owe it to our fans and to the world to donate to this cause because we we uh, understand the protests and support them." So that was really cool too. That is cool. Yeah, I had no idea. That's really fucking cool. Yeah. But that also has been something, uh, Destiny, that has bothered me too about K-pop in general. Because they just, it's, it is very obviously heavily taken from not just American music, but American black music. This is something I think about not just with K-pop, but with everything. I think oh, yeah. about this a lot. <laughs> yeah, it just seems really prominent in K-pop. And I don't know how much, like, context they have for black music. And, like, obviously they like it a lot, but, like... I just wondered what their relationship was with actual black people. and Yeah, it definitely makes you wonder, but I definitely think that there's some K-pop artists who are probably more ignorant and then some that are like CL and probably BTS that are more aware of yeah. where, of who they owe their dues to is how I'll put it. 100%. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So... Uh, earlier this week, I brought up something with Destiny <laughs> that I thought we could do, <laughs> and it's a kind of a goofy segment called "What Have You Been Watching on YouTube Lately?" But I mean, wait, this isn't sponsored by McDonald's. <laughs> oh man, 
So I, because uh, Desi and I watch a lot of YouTube. It's just the way things are now. I don't yeah, know. You can't help and... ourselves. <laughs> so I watch like a, a weird gamut of like YouTubers, like official YouTuber type people. And then just random videos. Like I got really into this video this week of a German guy hitting a, a doorbell that was playing like an off key version of Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> and then the doorbell fell on the ground and he went, Shiza! And that's the whole video. And I've watched it like 20 times. Shiza. <laughs> what about you? What is, so what has been on your YouTube radar um, lately? I've been watching a lot of this simmer named James Turner play like rags to riches stories of The Sims 4. <laughs> what? Oh, you please have to go into this more. Okay. So like a lot of uh, the YouTube sim playing community i guess it's not just youtube it's twitch and wherever else you stream so anyway okay so the simming community calls themselves simmers and i just found this one on youtube a lot of them do these like rags to riches type let's plays where you start out with absolutely nothing not even a house and you just make money by selling things you forage and then you slowly like get stuff and acquire stuff and try to become really really rich and so like James Turner has ones based on different expansion packs. So I'm watching specifically his Rags to Riches Seasons pack, where it's following one of his uh, big wallet family members uh, through their Rags to Riches story. And I've been watching a lot of that. And then this uh, other simmer who builds really cool houses named Miss Griffey. Um, it's just people designing cool houses. <laughs> You know, I never even thought about this, but of course they would have their own community. This is cool. Yeah, it is very <laughs> cool. And like, you can go onto the Sims gallery and uh, Sims 4 gallery and download some of them. And I don't know. It's neat. Uh, but that's the kind of stuff I watch to relax. It's people playing a video game that I spend way too much time playing. Oh, I get it, girl. <laughs> uh, I got hooked on a series of like, 20 second videos from resident evil 2 remake of how like they could manipulate the save room safe space to have the the tyrant like somehow reach in and grab you it just in glitching kind of modes it's very interesting <laughs> i don't know why i don't know why i think it's because i watched a um 20 second clip of that giant woman from the latest resident evil and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, you like 10 second Resident Evil clips? Well, here's 50 of them for you. Yep. The algorithm <laughs> found you. <laughs> That's how it is when I'm on TikTok. It's like, okay, what algorithm is going to find me today? Mm. I did find, there is a video I wanted to talk about uh, from Vox. It's called, it's about gated reverb. And gated reverb is a term that I was kind of like, sort of aware of, but the whole video is about how it came to be and how it's having a resurgence today and how it came to define the sound of the 80s. So basically it was discovered by accident by Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins when they were recording for Peter Gabriel's solo album. And then Phil Collins basically popularized it when he used it uh, in Feel It in the Air Tonight in 1981. So it's kind of a punchy drum sound that ends really quickly. So it has this echoey drum, but it's like it doesn't reverb for very long. And it's used uh, with a microphone. The way you get it is you use a microphone compressor to do it. 
And as I was listening to all the songs, I realized that nearly um, 99.9% of every song I love has gated reverb in it. And I was like, what? Here's a really good example of gated reverb. Let me pull up my Spotify. <laughs> Also, I love that song. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a, a good song. Yeah, it's like a, just basically like a really loud, echoey drum sound, but it ends very abruptly. And that's gated reverb. And it like basically almost every song in the 80s has it. And it's having kind of a resurgence these days because there's lots of like 80s type synths and drum sounds being used in popular music. And it is just a sound I love. It's, and I realized that like, if you use this in one of your songs, I am automatically drawn to it. It was a very big eye opener for me when I heard it. I was like, what is happening? I had no idea. I love finding out stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this has a name. Obviously it does. But like, I didn't know. Do you have any other YouTube videos you'd like to talk about? Uh, I follow this guy, Foolish Fish that um does these like reviews of books and not like traditional book reviews he literally buys books and then just talks about like what the spine looks like and the covers and how well the book is constructed mm -hmm. <laughs> and tries to pick like purposely pretty books but he also dabbles in esoterica and ceremonial magic so like every saturday he'll just do a video about like the Kabbalah <laughs> or just some interesting like Western magic spiritual tradition. Was this channel made for you? Because <laughs> yes. it sure sounds like 100%. it. <laughs> I love that. Um, what else do I love on YouTube? I, I definitely don't want to talk about all of it because I want to save for other segments, but I am deep on the witchy YouTube. Oh, we'll have to get into that in the next episode because I want to know some of the witchy YouTubes that you're watching. <laughs> We'll do Most definitely. We'll do a special on our favorite YouTubers for next YouTube special time. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that has been our new segment. What are you watching on YouTube? Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. It ends with the McDonald's theme. <laughs> it's not sponsored by McDonald's. No. <laughs> so uh, last week or so, Destiny and I were talking and... We were talking, we somehow uh, stumbled upon talking about the anime, the Annie of Mace. Anime. My great-grandmother? <laughs> Was your great-grandmother named Mae? Annie Mae, really? Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Annie Mae Connor. She died in 2003. Oh. She was a very cool lady. She was, she lived to be 95 years old. Nice. Well, Desi and I enjoy a lot of anime, as you probably are aware if you've listened to the show. But we wanted to kind of like go in and talk about some of our favorite anime and like TV shows and film and stuff like that. And we have like a list of our top five. And I want Destiny to go first because I'm really curious to hear what she has to say. Okay, let's start with my number five, which is 
a little anime called Nichijo. Nichijo? I've never heard of this. Nichijo. It's a slice of life anime about this town and all the like weird uh sort of like hold on let me think how to explain like it's about just the lives of all the people in the town but like a lot of weird things happen mixed up with the mundane things like one of the characters is a high school student who just recently started at the high school who's secretly a robot and doesn't want anybody to find out and spends a lot of time like hiding the fact that she's a robot and all of her robotic behaviors from her friends and then there's another character who has a talking cat and it's just like a kid playing with a talking cat oh my god that sounds amazing (laughs) but yeah no it's it's really good it's like really really funny it's based on a manga that's uh sort of uh just like nonsense comedy manga and i love it so much it makes me so happy and all the ending credit songs are like old school songs from the 60s and 70s i believe and they always make me emotional (laughs) oh they're like really pretty and yeah i don't know that manga makes me so damn happy oh i love to hear it what's your number five my number five is probably going to be uh, Free, which was a ridiculous fan service anime that came out a few years ago. Uh, but it was the anime who got me that who got me. Yes, it's a person. It was the <laughs> anime that got me back into anime after kind of falling out of it for a while. So, yes, it's a it's a sports anime, but um it kind of tries to twist the format a little bit by being uh, most sports animes are very into like the sport and it's like all about like their competitions and their games and stuff. Well, this one was less about the sport and more about the friendships that formed because of it. And um, it was specifically made to be fan service for a certain group of like maybe teenage maybe up to their 20s-ish type women. But despite all the ridiculous fan service of it, it's about a high school swim team. It's actually a really touching story about friendship. And I'm mostly just talking about, I know that there's been a movie and some other stuff, but I'm mostly just referring to the the two seasons of the show, which are about, you know, them forming the swim team in the first season and then them uh, trying to decide what they want to do after high school in the second season. So it's kind of a little bit of a coming of age story too, but I found myself deeply moved by the friendship between these four boys and I still like it a lot. Like I'd, I'd rewatch it right now if I had, if I had the chance to, it was just very cute. Oh, it's a very cute. Oh, go ahead. I just, I've been meaning to watch this ever since you got into it and I haven't Mm. yet. So it's, it's on my list. Yeah. It's definitely like it, for all the kind of like, you know, most of the fans are completely self-aware about the fan service nature of it. But honestly, it would fall flat and probably wouldn't have that much of a fan base if it didn't have at least a somewhat good story behind it. And the story is actually really good. And I found myself really moved by the second season where our protagonist, Haru, is really struggling with his identity and what he wants to do post high school. And I really like that a lot. All right. What's your number four? 
My number four is actually two shows, but I'm conflating them because I'm cheating. <laughs> um, Dragon Ball Z Kai and Dragon Ball Super. Oh, okay. That's fine. It's okay to conflate Dragon Ball. I just love it so much and I couldn't decide. <laughs> okay, so what are these about? Like, what's the difference? What's the similarities? Well, Dragon Ball Z is like, it follows the story of Goku as an adult. Um, and his son, Gohan, and Gohan learning to be a fighter, and then Gohan kind of growing up and becoming more of a scholar, and Goku getting into, like, fights with different various strong entities and saving the world every week. And, uh, Dragon Ball Super is the story of Goku after he's, you know, after his son has grown up and had a kid of his own. And there's this destroyer god that comes down to Earth and, like, essentially, like, gets Goku into all these crazy situations. But it's more of the story of, like, it's less about the fights and more about, like, this community that's been there since Dragon Ball of Goku and Bulma and Vegeta and Piccolo and Krillin and just how they're, like, a family. Oh, and I just I really like it. Uh, it. It warms my heart. You know, I don't know much about Dragon Ball. Didn't we play a Dragon Ball game once, a fighting game? Yeah, we played Dragon Ball Z Fighters. Okay, <laughs> or Dragon Ball just... Fighters or whatever. Yeah. Okay. The game's cool. <laughs> that is cool. I will say. Well, now you make me want to watch Dragon Ball. I really love your description and how close you are to it. I'm. Gonna watch the original Dragon Ball at some point, cause like, cause it goes Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Z Kai, Dragon Ball Super, mm. um, and then GT is like, uh, an OC kind of thing. Oh, okay. Okay. So I haven't seen GT and I haven't seen Dragon Ball, but I've read a little bit of the manga for Dragon Ball, and I don't know. I'm I'm not as interested in Goku as a child, but I definitely, I love Krillin, so I want to go back into the history of Krillin eventually and get into that but when i was growing up it was just the, the the dragon ball z was the dumb boy show as counter to sailor moon and i just wasn't interested in it but then as an adult i started watching kai and i was like this is just charming as all get out oh man i love to hear that and i had the same thoughts about dragon ball when i was younger as well <laughs> it was just full of screaming and punching i didn't care <laughs> yeah right i totally get it but I really love it, and I think the uh, English dub is really just, the Funimation dub specifically, I think it is just genius. I think the choices they make are so perfect, and, and that's my favorite way to watch it. Nice. Nice. What's your number four? My number four is the classic anime, Cowboy Bebop. I did not come into Cowboy Bebop until I was in my 20s for some reason, and I don't know why. And uh, when I finally watched it, I was really blown away by the storytelling and just the kind of the neo-noir kind of uh, feel about it. And I was really impressed with just like the stories and the music and the animation was so gorgeous. Uh, I'm just a fan, like I'm a real purist and I only like the anime series, I did not like the movie at all. At and all? 
at all. I hated I love that movie. The movie. I really? Love oops. <laughs> uh oh. Battling girls break up. No. <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I it's it's hard to describe. Maybe I I was being too hard on it, but like I was such a huge fan of the series and I just felt like the movie didn't capture any of the magic that I felt when I was watching the series. But I might feel differently now because I was a bit more uh of a snob about certain media uh, spinoffs and stuff back then. Maybe I'm not now, but I still really hold the series very near and dear to my heart. It's so influential in like everything. I'm kind of curious to see how this live action series goes, but I already got to tell you as much as I love John Cho, he's too old for Christ's sake. Spike Spiegel was 27. Oh, uh, it I just drives re- me. Up th- oh, go on. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. Well, like, my number three is Cowboy Bebop, so oh, okay. we can just expand on talking about it. But I have no interest in the live action. I feel like it should have happened years ago. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, like, fine that it's happening, but, like, I'm not here for that. Um, what I did with the movie was I watched it a few months after finishing the show for the first time. So I wasn't as close to the show when I watched the movie. And I feel like that made it better. Okay. So that's my advice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I definitely watched the movie like right on the heels of finishing the show. And I was it, just like, eh. If you treat it like just an extended episode of the show, I think it's great. Okay. I might have to do this. This sounds like a fun adventure for me. <laughs> but yeah, uh, just going into my... Uh, or wait, or did you have more to say on Cowboy Bebop? Because I'm just going to go on about Cowboy Bebop. Nope, I'm done with Cowboy Bebop. So you take the take the wheel. Oh, well, I also came to it late. My high school boyfriend was really into it. And I remember, like, thinking anime was for nerds in high school. So I didn't (laughs) watch anything. And I just kind of thought he was weird for liking it. But we used to exchange mixed CDs all throughout high school. And he would always put songs from the Cowboy Bebop soundtrack on them. And I always thought they were bops. Um, Nice. So in the back of my mind, I was like, someday I'll watch this. But... I was kind of a snob. And then when I started uh, dating my last partner, they were like, oh, we got to watch this. And it blew me away. I thought it was so good. I loved just the style of it. It's got style for days. And the plots are great. But like, um, yeah, my favorite character is Ed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me Ed really is great. Yeah, Ed's great. I love just the spaceships and the adventures that everybody would get into and the relationship between Spike and Jet and just, uh, I love it. I love it so much. Nice. My favorite character was Faye because I'm predictable as shit. Faye's cool. (laughs) Faye's whole storyline in the, in the show was one of the most moving storylines I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's really sad. It is. (laughs) what's your number three my number three might be surprising that it's number three but i'll explain as i go into it so my number three is a sailor moon and the only reason i say it's surprising is because sailor moon was my first anime and it led me down the path of anime when i was a young child but um i think i've mentioned this offhand maybe to destiny and some of my friends i really don't like uh, sailor chibi moon she can go and she can go to hell (laughs) Um, 
And I mean for both the manga and the anime, I just was never a fan of her. I felt like she ruined the whole dynamic. And I just was like, nope, not here for you. Which is weird because I like Dawn for Buffy. And it's the I, same character. I know, I know. I can't explain it. I can't explain it. I don't know what's wrong or what's going on. <laughs> but but when I, so when I say I like Sailor Moon, what I'm really referring to is like the first arc, which is the defeat of Queen Beryl. And then the second arc, which was totally not in the manga whatsoever. Uh, and it was about those two space elves and their giant tree. And that was when Moonlight Night appeared. And basically the plot... So like at the end of the first arc, after Sailor Moon and friends save the day, everyone loses their memories. And then the second season picks up with all of them regaining their memories and becoming the team of again. And um, I'm a big fan of that in general. And then of course, like it, I, I always like... The first two seasons had my favorite dynamic between... Uh, Mamoru and Usagi, which are the main characters, Sailor Moon and Tuxedo Mask, respectively. And then after that, I just feel like uh, Tuxedo Mask freaking like yanked her around, and I wish she would have dumped his ass. But like in those two seasons, or those two, I don't know if they were seasons or not, but those two arcs, I felt like that was my favorite part of their relationship um, and how it was portrayed. But uh, I never like. Once uh, Sailor Chibi Moon appeared, I just like deeply lost interest in that show. And she wow. ends up becoming such a gigantic part of it. She even has her own arc later with that stupid unicorn, which admittedly I did kind of like that. But like, oh, it was hard. I It's still a big sore point for me today. Like, And that's why it's only at number three. But those first couple of arcs were very influential for me as a child and the yeah. kind of storytelling that I, I ended up really liking for the rest of my life. And uh, I still hold by that they are excellent. I had the VHS box set of the Space Tree one and I would watch it constantly. <laughs> yeah, I watched Sailor Moon as a child, but I didn't watch it regularly. Um, so I had to come back on that one as uh, mostly an adult as well and... I never finished it, but I really like it. It's not in my top five, uh, but it will always hold a special place in my heart for being like my first anime TV show. Mm. So what's your number three? Oh, wait, uh, we already talked. Yeah, we already talked about my number three. We're on my what's number your number two? two? Sorry. <laughs> I got confused. My number two was what I thought my number one was, which we talked about last week, which is Dirty Pair. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh I did some soul searching and I just uh, decided it was only my second favorite, but oh, it okay. is still so good and it makes me so happy. And all the like little cyberpunky uh, vaporwave aesthetics that it has and the uh, goofy main characters. And I just, I think I like my anime just goofy. <laughs> with the exception of my number one which was Versaurus but like <laughs> a lot of what I like about anime is very goofy I love it I love that I still want to watch Dirty Pair so bad oh uh, we uh, have it on DVD I'll have to loan it to you okay um so my number two is uh Ranma one half the animated the anime adaptation of I've the manga I've never seen it so I am usually the kind of person who's more manga over anime. 
which is weird because usually I like to look at both and respect both mediums and analyze both and compare and contrast. But for some reason, I for this certain medium, manga is always better than anime to me, especially if it's at it, mostly when it's an adaptation, obviously. Um, but the Ranma one half anime is so much fun. Like they, of course, because of um, just the time period and just the speed at which the manga was being released, you know, they had filler episodes and stuff that weren't in the actual manga, but all the filler episodes in the anime are a thousand percent hilarious. And they turned out, some of them turned out to be some of my favorite episodes. I think the thing that makes me almost prefer the anime over the manga is that in the anime, they decided to make uh, Akane, who is the fiance of Ranma, the kind of central character. Whereas in the manga, he's the central character. And uh, I think that choice was an excellent choice because Akane Tendo is a force to be reckoned with. And considering how idiotic Ranma is and how casually cruel he can be sometimes because he's stubborn and thick-headed, having it center around Akane really made it feel more like a really wacky John Hughes teen drama comedy and i i really enjoyed that the whole premise of the if you don't know what the premise of ranma one half is uh ranma is a 16 year old boy who falls into a cursed spring and when he's splashed with cold water he turns into a girl so there's a lot of queer energy in this already and then uh he is the only one who changes genders i guess is how i don't know how else to say it but everyone else his father is cursed one of the girls who has a major crush on him is cursed. His best frenemy is cursed. Uh, two of his frenemies are cursed. And they all turn into cute animals. His dad turns into a panda. His The girl who has a crush on him that he doesn't like turns into a cat. And he's terrified of cats. And then his frenemies turn into a duck and a pig. <laughs> and so he's Aww. basically the leader of this group, group of animals. It's so funny. And... Uh, the anime ended before Rumiko Takahashi, who wrote the manga, uh, it ended way before she ended her um, her manga. So it actually kind of ends on a, on a kind of like ambiguous note. But I actually glad it ended before the manga because in the later uh, volumes of the manga, uh, Rumiko started to kind of tip more into the a more dramatic kind of like fantasy action thing, which would kind of be a foreshadow for her work on Inuyasha. And it kind of uh-huh. got a little too serious for a comic that had always been from the get-go very, very silly about learning silly martial arts moves and stuff. And so I kind of prefer the anime in that respects. And I love the anime all the way up into the later seasons, all the OAVs they did. And the two movies they did are three movies, pardon, are super fun. And they still hold it very near and dear to my heart. Sometimes I'll just like, tune over to it if I need a good laugh. It's such a great, great anime. That's awesome. Yeah, someday I'll watch it. How many episodes is it? Is it a lot? It is. It's actually quite long for an anime. It's like seven or eight seasons. Okay, yeah. I need to make time for it. <laughs> and what? so what is your number one after you did all your soul searching? My number one is Madoka Magica. Of course, Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's just like a darker side of Magical Girls, but there's more than that. It's very emotional. It's very like, I don't know. It's just really beautiful. I love it so much. And I think the art is really great and it makes me happy. 
Like, I feel it's like something. It just makes me happy. <laughs> uh, it's something I need to watch. I haven't yet watched it. Is there is there just like one anime? Are there like spinoffs? Are there movies? There are movies, but the anime okay. is only I think thirteen episodes or so. Okay. Yeah, so I would give that a shot and then check out the movies. I haven't seen any of them, and I hear good good things about them. But okay. like, um, that's like the next thing. In fact, like the next movie I plan on watching is probably one of the Madoka movies. Interesting. You have to t- can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I just, I love that animated pieces, and I still think about it all the time, and I just love a good lingering emotional story, and that's what this is. Yeah, that's good shit. It's good shit. (laughs) So my number one is Yuri on Ice. Nice. Fairly recent anime, um, but it's very near and dear to my heart. Yuri on Ice takes what... The sports anime was and like, you know, the the kind of like the com- the things you learn from a sport, the kind of friendships you make, the way it can kind of like bound, you know, like uh, bring your soul up to something good. It takes that and then it also takes what Free did, which is kind of like the the subtext of of like, oh, are they are they in a relationship or aren't they? And it just goes there. It's basically and to even call it a sports anime feels a little bit reductive because it's just basically, I look at Yuri on Ice as a love story um, between two men who have kind of fallen out of love with their passion, which is figure skating, and then end up finding each other and falling back in love with not only figure skating, but with each other. And it's such a beautiful story. And that the fact that they chose figure skating, I really like because figure skating is an, it's men's singles that they're focusing on. So it's an isolated sport. So instead of like, you know, this teamwork thing that you see in like anime about basketball or um, volleyball, you instead get a focus on the beautiful artistry of this, of this, um, of this sport, the way dance is incorporated in the feelings and emotions that pour into it, how it can kind of be a way to express yourself emotionally and creatively. And it's just so unique. And it's also, you know, on top of all that, it's just like super funny. Uh, I laughed super hard during this whole anime. Yuri Katsuki, who is the main character, is so relatable. He's just, it's just a wonderful show. It really kind of breaks the mold of what the kind of anime you usually see in the West, which is usually, you know, about teenagers or something like that. You know, these are 20-something-year-old men and there is no question like that they're obviously in love and they're falling in love. And I just found myself deeply moved by this story. I bought the Blu-ray set once it came out and I'm like so happy that an anime like this is just so popular and I can't wait. They're doing a movie, which is kind of a prequel about Victor, who is Yuri's uh, coach and uh, lover. And I can't wait to see it, but it's definitely uh, after I watched it, I watched it all in one sitting because I could not stop. And I was just so blown away by how connected I felt with it. And it will eternally be my favorite anime series. I really like it. I um, I don't know if I would put it in my top 10, but like mm-hmm. it, it's very sweet. It's very cute. Um, I like learning about ice skating through it or figure skating through it. And um, definitely had fun watching it. Yeah. It's really good. 
Oh, man. I was wondering if Cowboy Bebop would make your list, and I'm glad it did. <laughs> it's so good. I want to rewatch it really badly. I just need to make time. Did you ever watch Samurai Shampoo? No. Uh, I like that one, too. It's not as good as Cowboy Bebop, but it's still good. Yeah, a lot of people like it. I just uh, like everything. It's on a list that I'll someday get to. Yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> Did you have some honorable mentioned uh, anime films that you wanted to give a shout out to? Because like, oh, I yes. have a couple. Uh, as as I'm sure many people do, uh, I am a big fan of Ghibli uh, films, Hayao Miyazaki's films. But my absolute favorite, even like outside of like the Ghibli kind of like family and just in general as an anime film is whisper of the heart, which he actually did not direct. <laughs> he wrote it, but whisper of the heart is a slice of life anime about two teenagers falling in love and then, uh, expressing their love and passion through creative projects, him music, her writing a story about this cat gentleman who wears a suit. If this isn't written for me, I don't know what the fuck is. So it's such a sweet movie. It is. And it also made me super in love with Olivia Newton-John's cover of uh, C- Country Roads by John Denver originally. And because they play it during the opening credits. And I don't know, this movie is just wonderful. Um, I saw it listed as kind of a naturalistic movie because there's a lot of diegetic sound of just of just like you know the background of cars and crick and cicadas and stuff like that. It's a very like simple movie. It's and it's just very beautiful and and I really really love it. I also super love this movie. Um I saw it fairly recently and Ooh. it's just like yeah, very naturalistic, very slice of life, but it's um cuz that's the one where she was like looking back on her childhood, right? Um, I'm, no, I don't think so. Oh, no, never mind. I'm getting it mixed up with another Ghibli. Are you thinking of Only Yesterday? Yeah. Okay. But I did like this one. This one's really good. Okay. What about you? What's an honorable mention movie for you? Pompoco. Oh! Uh, Broke Me. It is, uh, it's a Ghibli film, but it is uh, Takata, uh, Takahata, Asao Takahata. And um, I just, I don't know, the way that movie talks about what we've done to this planet just tears me apart. Oh, Because it's about these Tanuki who are feuding with these humans who are trying to build a development on their land. And... There's no real, like, they get kind of a happy ending, but it just, there's no real resolution, and it just kind of leaves a wound. And, oh, the movie just broke me. I, I love it so much. Oh, I only know, I only heard of Pompoko. I've never watched it, so I had no idea that's what it was about. I thought it was more fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, it has fun moments, but it's really heart-wrenching. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, another one I want to talk about is Perfect Blue. Oh, I've never seen Perfect Blue, a fail. Oh, Satoshi Kon was like, just phenomenal. I, nobody had a brain like that. Um, 
And Perfect Blue is just the story of paranoia and, you know, fantasy and reality blurring together and uh, those kind of things that are kind of tropey now. But at the time, which I believe was the late 90s, like it just seems so cutting edge and just really beautiful. And have you seen any of his stuff? Millennium Actress or... Uh, I have. I actually Paprika? had one of them down to talk about, and it is Paprika. Yes, Paprika is on my list. Yes, Paprika is brilliant, which is why I feel like it's a huge fail that I haven't seen Perfect Blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You'll get to it eventually. <laughs> but um, I love Paprika. I loved the an- the animated style. I love how he can make something that feels so surreal and yet so heartfelt at the same time. Yes, I really like that Paprika so much. Yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. Um, just like not just anime, but hands down, one of my favorite movies. Um, I watched his series Paranoid Agent all the way through for, as an adult recently, and it's it's didn't make my top five, but it's probably in my top ten. I just mm. I love the way he tells stories of the human mind. I just yeah, I, there was nobody really like him. Yeah, did he do Tokyo Godfathers? Yes. I really like that one, too. I barely remember it, but I remember liking it. (laughs) (laughs) I have the worst memory of all time. That one I really like a lot as well. Um, To go back to Sailor Moon for a minute, I do want to point out that, you know, they did make, I think, three Sailor Moon movies. And Sailor Moon S, the movie, is an adaptation of one of the best uh, stories in the manga, which is about Luna, her cat falling in love with a human. This story <laughs> rules, and the fact that they adapted it into this movie rules. It is my... If, like, if you ask me what my favorite Sailor Moon thing, I will say this movie. Because <laughs> it is about her cat. It is wonderful. It is... Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. I love this movie so fucking much. Have you seen The Cat Returns? Uh, Yeah. I have. Okay, that's. I think I prefer that one to Whisper of the Heart, but really, that one's good too, though. I love that one. Only because, because that's the one where she actually goes into the cat world, right? That is correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's just seeing the cat world and how that works is really fun. Yeah. So, oh. when I was a little kid, um. In addition to Sailor Moon coming over, a lot more adult anime was starting to come over. And my dad had a real taste for this because, you know, he likes weird cinema. And so I saw a lot of anime during this time, way before I probably should have. But who cares? Who cares? So, like, (laughs) stuff like Akira and Wicked City and Fist of the North Star. And I like all of those. And they all have their high points and stuff. But the one that really stuck with me and I still love to this day is Vampire Hunter D, which is probably one of the best anime movies I've ever seen in my entire life. I've never seen it. I feel so bad. Oh my God. It is so unique and so memorable. And I have a thing for vampires. I've realized, and it's about vampires. So (laughs) I'm just like naturally drawn to it. And even though I kind of see like the kind of cringy moments of some of these other adult animes, especially Wicked City. God, half of that movie is the main lady character getting raped. I, what the hell? Anyway, mm. uh, but Vampire Hunter D really stands out as like a titan among men. 
And it's so weird and unique and just, I, I really, I God, I, I don't, I can't believe I don't own it because I really want to rewatch it. And I just, it, it really blew me away when I first saw it as a kid. And then it still continues to, to hold like a part of my brain to this day. That is wonderful. Yeah, I um, need to see it because like, I've seen a lot of the, the gritty classics. I've seen Akira, I've seen Grave of the Fireflies, which I'll never watch again. Dude, how can you? You only need to see it once. It's too heartbreaking. <laughs> um, uh, one of my honorable mentions is Ghost in the Shell. See, I was going to put Ghost in the Shell down, but honestly, it's been too long. And so I need to see it again before I can make any sort of assessment. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to hear you. If you revisit it, let me know. Okay. I just remember thinking it was really cool. And I I liked a lot of the things that it was about. Um, But it might be time for me to rewatch it, too. I found that Akira did not hold up for me. You know, I kind of found that, too, when I rewatched it in my 20s. But I want to try it again. Okay. I want to see if maybe I was being a little too hard on it. Yeah, I just, I don't know how long ago I rewatched it, but it doesn't hold up for me. I wish I liked it more, but I just don't. Any other honorable mentions you have? Uh, Robot Carnival, which is like a compilation of different animators doing stories about robots. Oh. It's from, I believe, 1987. Uh, and it's just, it's a cool movie. Nice. But that's it for me. What about you? Uh, I think that's it for me too. And by this point, like you can go into the kind of like how anime has influenced kind of like Western animation. And I'm specifically thinking of like that animatrix shorts, which I loved all of those. My goodness. And, uh, like something like Avatar, the last airbender, which obviously holds a lot of influence from uh, anime action oh, series yeah. and stuff like that. Oh, and, yeah. uh, but like, as far as like classic, like, you know, uh, Japanese anime, that's like a, I think we have a pretty good like collection of stuff. If you haven't seen any of these to check out and are you are... watching anything currently of anime? No. Yeah. <laughs> God dang it. <laughs> I'm watching uh, ping pong and what am I watching? Ping pong. And we kind of started Fruits Baskets, and I'd like to go back to it. Ooh, nice. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, uh, I have not been watching very much anime lately. What about Mostly manga? Manga? I'm reading a lot of manhwa, which is a Korean manga, basically. And uh, Drawn in Quarterly has done, uh, has republished a lot of memoirs from some kind of like indie famous uh manhwa creators from korea and these are like gigantic tomes and they're really good i've been enjoying those quite a bit uh but interestingly enough i discovered that uh korea um comics basically have they basically all most people most koreans read comics on their phone now webtoons they completely evolved the model so that paper comics are kind of a thing of the past over there interesting didn't know that same space (laughs) <laughs> so like the way and the way the they're written is that they're customized and formatted to be read on a smartphone so it's just a long scrolling uh thing that you read 
very quick and easy to read. I read one about BTS, which was, holy shit. It's like a fantasy. <laughs> it's officially from BTS, but it's like they're, it's like one of their fictional worlds from their music videos where they're all broken teenagers. And so this, this manhwa is about that. And it is, whoa, it was intense. I really liked it. <laughs> that's funny. I'm going to have to look into this. Yeah, that's cool. But I'm yes. not reading any manga right now, but uh, I, I'm going to have to go back and read the last issue of uh, this very charming one called uh, Satoko and Nada, which is about a Japanese a Japanese student and a Muslim. Um, uh, she's from, I want to say, you know, I can't remember what country she's from, but they're both... Uh, international students in an American college dorm and it's just like this cute uh, sort of set of strips about cultural differences and how they accept each other and it's I've learned more about Muslim culture from this manga than I have from any religion class. Oh my god what is it called again? Uh, Satoko and Nada. Thank you I really want to read this. It's so cute. It is so cute but I, I, I've been meaning to read the last issues or uh, yeah the last volume so that's next on my list nice i just read one uh a manga not talking about mon one now but a bl metamorphosis which is about a high school girl and a 75 year old woman bonding over bl manga <laughs> interesting that's it's, very you god right it's so delightful and cute but basically the old woman She's a recent widow and she goes into a bookstore to escape from the heat and she just randomly picks one up, doesn't know what it's about. And the teenage girl is a cashier there and she's like, um, do you want me to put this in a paper bag for you to, for like privacy reasons? And the old woman's like, no, it's fine. And then she goes home and she sees it's this, this very sweet romantic story between two boys. And then she goes back for the next volume and then they end up striking a friendship over their connection of the good storytelling in this BL manga. That's cute. BL, for those not in the know, is boys love. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, friends, we have reached the end of our anime episode. Uh, What is your favorite anime or movie or television show? Tell us at badlandgirls at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. We are um, part of the Abnormal Mapping Network, so you can find this podcast at Abnormal Mapping dot com slash badland girls and we're on your favorite podcast app like apple podcasts where you can rate and review spotify and stitcher but uh yeah we'll be back next week to talk about another topic that desi and i have been talking a lot about in recent episodes when we decided to dedicate a whole episode to it should we say what it is or should we just wait (laughs) oh yeah we can say what it is okay it's msd3k i have been writing down every single I have been keeping a notebook by me and writing down every single thing that I quote from that show on the regular. It's a lot. It's embarrassing. That's cute. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) So, and I will get into that uh, next time. But uh, until next time. Always always pizza pizza rolls. rolls.